I'd like to welcome the Reverend Susan Rhodes here. Uh, Susan is a rare member of the clergy in that she planted a success, successful parish, which once was a mission of this parish, that it gained its own self-sufficiency, and then she left that parish, and the parish did not fall apart. It is still around. And that is not a, a very common thing. And so I'm very pleased to welcome her to bring God's word to us. Thank you, Father James. Good morning. It really is my pleasure to be here this morning with you. Um, as Father James says, I have a connection with Servants of Christ, not only uh, where you are parent church, but of course my husband and I are the parent of Dr. Elena Rhodes, who is a member and has been a member of your parish for quite a while. So, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Now, when I did the earlier service this morning, the actual reading does not include verses 2 through 6. But I'm glad that it did today, because my sermon includes the readings verses 2 through 6. Because I don't like it when Scripture jumps from verse 1 to verse 7. So, that's wonderful. And of course, David and I had a little conversation ahead of time, so we kind of knew that. <clears throat> How many of you are familiar with the 4-H Club? How many of you know the 4-H Club? Wonderful. How many of you know what the 4-H's stand for? Okay, I had to look it up. Oh, there Ken knows. I had to look it up. The 4-H's, head, heart, hands, and health. And the characteristics of those who belong to the 4-H club are these. A head for clearer thinking, a heart for greater loyalty, hands for larger service, and health for better living. Those are the characteristics of the 4-H club. And where my husband and I live in Lake Placid it is a very rural area, and 4-H Club is very, very popular. A lot of young people involved. Well, today, I would like to talk about the four H's that characterize a Christian and a Christian community. And let's see at the end if we can all remember what those are. So in our gospel today, Jesus is invited to dinner at a Pharisee's house. Now, that's not an uncommon practice after a worship service to invite guests over to your house. I'm sure sometimes you, after this service, may actually end up going out to lunch with someone. So it's not an uncommon practice. But we learn something a little different about this invitation to Jesus. It's, our scripture says, on the Sabbath, which is important, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. So this is just not a breaking of bread with friends. Jesus is there, and the Pharisees and the leaders of the Jewish community are watching him. Now you may wonder why that is. In the previous chapter, chapter 13, we read about Jesus who on the Sabbath heals a woman who had been crippled for many years. And the synagogue 
uh, head, the head of the synagogue was livid with anger that Jesus should do work or heal somebody on the Sabbath. And so now we're here in chapter 14 where Jesus has been invited to the house of a prominent leader, a Pharisee, and he's being carefully watched. So there we are. That's the setting. And then we go to verse 2, and, and the way I have it in my, my uh, version of it, it's just interesting. Here they are at this dinner with Pharisees and the leaders of the Jewish community. And my, my version says, there in front of him was a man suffering from dropsy. Now Luke's a physician. He knows exactly what dropsy is. It's an abnormal swelling of the body. And I find it curious, and you may find it curious too, that at this gathering, at this dinner, there just happens to be a man who is in need of healing, especially in light of the events of chapter 13. It's almost as if the Pharisees might be setting Jesus up to see what it is he's going to do. Well, how does Jesus handle this situation? He turns the tables on the Pharisees and he says to them, is it lawful to heal, heal on the Sabbath? Utter silence. Not a word from the Pharisees. And so Jesus poses a similar question to the one he posed in chapter 13 with the healing of the woman in the synagogue. If one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well, on the Sabbath day, wouldn't you pull him out? Wouldn't you pull him out? Once again, dead silence. You see, while the Pharisees, some of the Pharisees knew the letter of the law, no work on Sunday, they failed to understand the spirit of the law. That love reaches out to a person in time of need regardless of the legalism involved. So our first H for this morning that characterizes a Christian and a Christian community is healing. The healing of Christ's love. Well now, Jesus has the room, all right? He's got everybody's attention in that room because he's just performed a miracle. So we're going to go to our second age. And that is a lesson in humility. A Christian in a Christian community is characterized by humility. In verse 1, we saw that the Pharisees were watching Jesus. Now Jesus is watching the Pharisees. That's what it says. And he sees, he looks around the room, and he sees everyone's jockeying for a position to sit at the head table. If it was a large banquet at that time, the tables would have been set like in a U shape, and the host would have been at the head table, the important guests next to him, and then everyone else down along the sides until you had these poor, poor people at the end who couldn't hear anything, and they were sort of out of it. And so as people walked in, they wanted to sit at the head table near the host. 
They wanted to know what was going on. I was saying this to my husband. The best example that I have of that, my husband and I are, are real estate attorneys, and we conduct real estate closings. And in our closing room, we have an oblong table, and my seat is to sit at the head of the table, not because I think I'm so wonderful, but because on one side I'll have the buyers, the other side I'll have the sellers, and then I'll be able to explain. And before I go into the room, I have my file there, my notary, all my pens, so it's really apparent that I'm going to sit there. But don't you know it, every once in a while, I have buyers and sellers come in, and one of those buyers or sellers has to sit at the head of the table. <laughs> they just have to. And so I have to come in and in a very nice voice say to them, would you please move? I have to sit here so everyone can hear what I'm saying. Uh, and that's what Jesus says. He says, basically, don't sit at the head of the table because someone more important may come along and you'll be asked to move. And then he ends it by saying that the humble will be exalted and the exalted will be humbled. What do I mean by humility? Well, we can look at the first reading that Jamie did, and we will see that that is the opposite of humility. That's arrogance and pride. But what I don't mean by humility is this sort of self-degradation, oh my goodness, I can't do anything, I'm just terrible. And in essence, it's being proud of being humble. And I've known people like that, and quite frankly, on occasions, I have been like that. The best definition that I can think of with humility is this. And it comes from Paul's letter to the Romans. And I love it, because this is what it says. I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of the faith that God has given him. True humility is a realistic assessment of who you are. Thinking of yourself with sober judgment. Well, what does that mean? To be truly humble means that you and I are sinners, redeemed by the grace of God, right? However, it also means that as redeemed sinners, Holy Spirit has endowed us with certain gifts and talents that we should use to further the kingdom of God. So to be humble is to realize our limitations, but then also to realize our God-given gifts. How do we, though, achieve a realistic assessment of ourselves? I think that's one of the hardest things for us, to look at ourselves and truly know who we are. So I'm going to just, just suggest briefly three things. 
The first, spend time with God. Spend time in the presence of God. Who better knows what you're like than God who created you? So that would be the first thing I would suggest. The second is this, spend time in the Word. Spend time in the Word, in the Gospels, looking at Jesus. Jesus, the truly humble, who humbled himself unto death, even the death of the cross. So spend time in the Word to see what true humility is, and spend time in the Word to see what are the gifts that God has given you. And finally, gather around you other Christians, perhaps more mature Christians, people who love you and will help you understand and give you a true assessment of yourself. So humility, that's our second H. Humility, a realistic assessment of who we are. Sinners redeemed by grace with gifts and talents given to us by God. So that's going to lead us to the third H. When Jesus finishes his parable on humility, he turns to his host. Jesus didn't have much... Um, call for social niceties. You would never turn to your host and start telling him what to do. But Jesus turns to his host, and Jesus knows the heart. He knows why the Pharisee invited him, and he knows why the Pharisee invited all the other people that are there. These were important people that he had invited. So he says to him, don't let the focus of your hospitality be on people who you know can pay you back, who, know, who you know that next week or the week after you'll be invited to their house for a sumptuous meal. Don't invite your brother and your father, and he makes the list. Now, I want you to understand that does not mean that you are off the hook from inviting your least favorite brother-in-law or mother-in-law or father-in-law to your house. You can still do that. But the point Jesus is making is, do not practice hospitality with the sole purpose of being paid back. That's what he's telling the host here. No, he says, invite those people who can't pay you back, the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, you see, just as we have absolutely no way of paying back Jesus for his sacrifice on the cross, so we should go and do likewise, showing hospitality to those who cannot pay us back. Hospitality, our third H, is one of the distinguishing marks of a faithful Christian community and of a faithful Christian. In our reading again today, Paul says, extend hospitality to strangers. And the writer of Hebrews says, do not neglect to extend hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, you may have entertained angels unaware. So our third H is hospitality. Hospitality, however, ties in with humility. 
a realistic assessment of yourself. Because sometimes we think, I can't invite anybody to my house, I'm a horrible cook, or my house isn't clean, or any number of reasons. Now for me, I'm not a great cook, I'm, I'm a good cook. I'm looking at my husband and my daughter. I'm a good cook, but I'm not a great cook. So for me, hospitality is a simple meal and a simple dessert. For you, it may be Chinese takeout. It may be ordering a pizza. Doesn't matter. I know my limitations. I know my gifts. So with that in mind, I extend hospitality of a simple meal and a simple dessert. After, after t uh, the service today, you may end up extending hospitality by inviting someone out to lunch. That's hospitality. Now, do you have to be an extrovert to extend hospitality with a sparkling personality and all sorts of good stories? No, if that's not your gift. Quite frankly, most people like people who listen. So all you need to be able to do is to listen in order to extend hospitality. So, in our reading today, we have three H's that mark a Christian and a Christian community. Healing, humility, and hospitality. But since I started out with 4-H, I prayed about this, and the Lord gave me the fourth H, and this one covers it all. The fourth H is hope. A Christian and a Christian community are characterized by hope. Hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he has redeemed us, that he has sent us his spirit, that we can walk, he will walk alongside of us. And again, as it says in the reading, he will never leave us nor forsake us because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I will challenge you and me today to be a 4-H Christian and a 4-H Christian community by practicing healing, humility, hospitality, and hope. Amen? Amen.